I enjoyed that very much. Oh, wasn't that a blessing? Amen. Let me hear you say amen. That's good. I enjoyed that very much. What a great song and well done. Very well done. Open your Bibles again to the book of Acts in chapter 16. And I want to preach on the subject this morning. Uncommon places to praise God. Uncommon places to praise God. I want you to notice in verse number 25, the Bible says in our text passage, And at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Uncommon places to praise God. Let me just tell you why I'm preaching this sermon today. God deserves our praise. It is easy to praise God when things are going well. It's just a natural thing. I mean, it's just a natural thing. We praise God when things are going well. However, the Bible teaches us that praise is not just an emotion. Praise is a decision. And we're to praise God when he deserves it, not when we feel like it. And he always deserves our praise. I believe this morning, if we will listen and follow the instruction of the Word of God, if we can learn to praise Him in the tough times, that it will bless our lives in a way that nothing else will. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the joy of being in church any Sunday, any day. But today is a special day. As Lord, we celebrate the fact that our Savior was born. Thank you for every prophecy that was fulfilled that encourages us, strengthens our faith in your word. And now, Lord, I pray that our faith would remain strong, not just in the promises, but in the prophecies, in the promises that you are coming again. And, Lord, help us to be Christians who praise you, not just in the good times, in the easy times, but help us to praise you even in times of sorrow. Bless the message, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. There are places that we praise God and it is an expected thing to do. When you read through the word of God, there are stories that praise are fitting and they are expected. You can imagine when the children of Israel went across the Red Sea Uh, Not on it, not under it or around it, but on dry ground because God had parted the waters. It was an easy time of rejoicing to see what God had done. Not only to deliver them, but to drown the enemy that was chasing them in the very place where just a few moments ago they were walking on dry ground. That's an easy place to praise God. You can imagine at a time when they were thirsty uh, in the desert and they asked God for water. And God uh, told Moses, take your rod and smite the rock of Horeb. And when Moses smote the rock of Horeb, water began to gush forth. Now it wasn't just a bit of water, it wasn't just a fountain of water, but it it became a stream of water in the desert uh, that was an easy place to praise God, and they did. When the miracles of the Lord Jesus took place, it was an easy time to praise God. You can imagine the 5,000 being fed. You imagine the day when Jesus was going into town, and there was a procession going out of town, 
and a widow woman whose heart was broken because they were carrying the son, her son, in a casket to the place of burial. And when Jesus met them, he gave the boy his life back again. It was an easy time to praise the Lord. You can imagine. In fact, it would have been quite an amazing thing to be there that day when they, uh, when they had taken Jesus to the place where they had already buried Lazarus. They had already had his committal service. And four days later, the Bible says that Jesus stood and said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came out of the grave. And Jesus told them, uh, he said, loose him and let him go. Those are easy places to praise God. However, as you go through the Word of God, we find some example. In fact, we find several examples of folks that praise God in difficult times. Why were those given? Why were those preserved in Scripture for us? Because we're taught that even in the difficult times, it is good for us, it is comely for us, it is right for us to praise God even in the times of difficulty. Reading again the story this week and again this morning, the story uh, when Elizabeth, the mother-to-be of John the Baptist and Mary, uh, the mother-to-be of the Lord Jesus when they met one another. Uh, those were unusual circumstances. In fact, you'll find in Luke chapter 2 that Mary is pondering all these things in her heart. Uh, I don't know how much she knew. I don't know uh, that she knew everything. I know what the word ponder means. And she was allowing all of these thoughts and all of these things that had come from God to her uh, by way of the angel. Those were in her heart. And here's what the Bible said. Luke chapter 1 verse number 45. And blessed is she that believed for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. They hadn't happened yet. They hadn't happened yet. Ah, but she believed they were going to happen because God said they were going to happen. She believed, and the Bible says this, And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. In her time of pondering, she praised God. Now, you may be at a time in your life that you're wondering what's going to happen. How is life going to happen? Now, you and I know that we think negatively, don't we? We imagine the negative. In fact, we now have a 24-7 news uh, of 45 different opportunities where it seems that their goal is to imagine the very worst case scenario. If this happens, if this happens, it reminds me when I was a boy, I would get hurt. And my dad said, I think you'll be all right unless it turns to a snake bite. If it turns to a snake bite, it's liable to kill you. Now, he was just joking is what he was doing. He was just doing that imaginary thing that the news lives to do. Now, that's how you and I think. We wonder how things are going to happen, what's going to happen. Mary pondered these things in her heart. Ah, but she said, I'm going to praise God for who he is because I don't know how or when things are going to happen, but God is in control. I must mention the words of Job as the Bible said, Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped and said, 
naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, I don't think Job threw a party. I don't think there was a lot of laughter. I don't think that Job was giddy. I don't think that Job was laughing about his circumstances. I believe Job said in a time of tears, in a time of difficulty, while it is not an easy time to praise God, I'm still going to lift my head heavenly. I'm still going to lift my voice and I'm going to say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, I promise you this morning that complaining about the circumstances never help those circumstances. And the purpose of my preaching this morning is to challenge us when we come to those unusual times, when we come to those unusual places in our life, while we don't know how things are going to happen, we know who is in control and we can say, praise the Lord. In our text this morning, we find uh, these men, these two men uh, that have been thrown into prison. Uh, they have been beaten. In fact, I'll say more about it in just a few minutes. But I want to go to what they responded in doing. The Bible says at midnight. I don't know why the Bible tells us at midnight, but the Bible tells us it was midnight. And the Bible said they sang praises to God. What an example, oh my, but what a challenge to follow. What a challenge to follow. It is a great difficulty not only to keep our faith in God in times difficult to understand, it is difficult not only to keep our faith, but it is difficult to praise Him in the process. Are you with me this morning? You say amen, well, I'll take a drink of water. Cough drops worth 20 minutes. One preacher put a button in his mouth one day. Two hours later, they had to stop him because the button never, anyway. There is a hymn that we love to sing, and it's a blessing. The words are just comforting, and it says this. When peace, like a river, attendeth my way. When sorrows, like sea, billows roll. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Now that song was written by a man by the name of Horatio Spafford. He was a prominent Chicago lawyer. Mr. Spafford had invested in real estate north of an expanding Chicago in the spring of 1871. He had invested heavily. Then came the great fire of Chicago that reduced much of that city to ashes in the fall in the month of October. Most of his investment was lost. Two years later, 1873, Spafford decided his family should take a vacation they decided they would go to England because his good friend, D.L. Moody, the great preacher, the great evangelist, was holding a revival meeting in England. He decided to buy tickets for he and his wife and four daughters, and they would go to that revival meeting 
and take a time of rest while supporting Dr. Moody's preaching uh, revival. He personally was delayed because of business there in Chicago that related to the fire. So he sent his wife and their four daughters. Hannah was 11 years old. Margaret Lee was nine. Elizabeth, that they called Bessie, was five years old. And their youngest was two. Her name was Tanetta. November 22nd. 1873, while crossing the Atlantic in a steamship, their ship was struck by an iron ship where 226 people lost their lives. Of the 226, there was included all four of Spafford's daughters. His wife, Anna, survived the tragedy. When she arrived in England, she sent a telegram to her husband, and the telegram began, saved alone. He then sailed to England to bring his wife home. As he in that boat going to get his wife, as they sailed over the place where the tragedy had occurred, his heart was broken. During his heartbreak, he made a decision that he would keep his faith strong in God. He took out pen and paper and began to write these words, When peace, like a river, attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come. Let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. In my sin, all oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. In our text passage this morning, Paul and Silas made the same decision not only to keep their faith in God, but through their pain, through their physical hurting, they would lift their voice and they would say, Bless the Lord. There are three things I want to make note of from this passage of Scripture of this place where they were, and it would define those difficult places we find ourselves many times. As I prayed this morning, I have prayed for broken-hearted people. I have prayed for those who have recently lost a loved one, some a husband, some a father. I have prayed for those who have had their hearts broken by tragic events beyond their control. I have prayed for those who have been hurt by others, as innocent as they could be, and yet others have hurt them, and have hurt them deeply, and they want to be happy, and they want to serve God, but their heart is broken, and they're hurt this morning. I have prayed for them. Three things. First of all, I want to point out, this was a place of misery. You can't make a prison like this, a place like this, comfortable. 
no time and no place did they, did they dismiss the reality of their misery. You see, when Paul arrived in Philippi, they expected great things to happen. In fact, if I took the time to outline Acts chapter 16, you would find it to be one of the great encouraging chapters of the Bible. Things had gone very well for Paul in the planting of churches, though he himself had faced difficulty and persecution. They came to Philippi expecting a great thing to happen. The Lord had sent them to that city, as you'll find in verses 6 through 12. He, uh, God's will was revealed when Lydia and others came to faith in the Lord, verses 13 through 15. As soon as the Lord started blessing, the devil began his work. I want to make note, these men are in the Lord's will. There is no sin, public nor private. There is nothing that they're doing wrong. In fact, they have given up their will for the will of God. They're not doing what would satisfy them or please them. They're doing the work of God when trouble comes into their lives and they were thrown into a place of misery. You'll find in verses 19 through 21, they were falsely accused. You'll find in verses 22 and 23, they were arrested. I mean, it's just dirty work. That's the way it is. And folks, we have to understand something, that we live in a world that's fallen by sin. We live in a dirty world. We live in a world that is tainted and that is poisoned by the sin uh, and, and, and by that penalty of sin. And sometimes, don't miss it now, sometimes we get mad at God, the very one that can help us, the very one that can rescue us. It's not God that caused the problem. It's Satan and sin that caused the problem. Don't be angry at God, even though sometimes we find ourselves, as these men did, in a place of misery. They were there for no other reason but being faithful, obedient, servants of the Lord. You know what they did? Here's a gal that is telling people their fortune. And she gets to keep a little bit of the money and she gives the money to her masters. They're using her as a pawn to make money. That's what's going on. They meet Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas give her the gospel. She becomes a child of God. She gives up her work and when she does, her masters they stop making this dirty money. As a result, they get angry at Paul and Silas, and they throw Paul and Silas in jail. Now, I know that the truth is they're the ones that should be in jail. They're the ones that should be beaten, and they're the ones, uh, they're the ones that have been using this young girl uh, for personal and dirty gain. And sometimes it's so frustrating when you see when you can't preach and you want to. You can't get excited and you want to yell. <clears throat> they said to Billy Sunday, <clears throat> what do you do when you can't preach? He said, I'll, I'll, I'll kick him as long as he's got a foot. I'll bite him as long as he's got teeth. I'll hit him as long as he's got a fist. When I'm fistless, footless, and toothless, I'll gum him till I die. <laughs> They're the ones that should have been in jail. We look at this world today, it's a mess. 
And, and we look at a world today, I mean the educational system, and I mean, I mean the so-called, uh, uh, some of these folks that have taken advantage of being a counselor and being a helper of children in school, and the things that are being taught, and the alcohol that's being promoted, and the drugs that's being pushed. And that crowd points at the preachers and say the problem in this town are those two preachers. And they throw them in jail. A place of misery. The second thing I want you to make note of, it wasn't just a place of misery. They made it a place of ministry. Verse number 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. They saw it as a place of personal ministry. In their hour of need, they had no man that they can turn to for help, so they turned to the only source available to them, and they praised God anyhow. These men knew something that so many never learn. They learned the best place to find the help of a friend in a difficult situation is to turn to the throne of grace. And I want to say this morning, the quickest way to activate the help of God in our life is not complaining, but by praising Him. Are you with me this morning? He promised to hear our prayers. He told Jeremiah in Jeremiah 33, 3, he told him from the miry clay in the depths of the dungeon, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. He saw his place of misery as a place of ministry. Charles Spurgeon said, and I quote, any fool can sing in the day. It's easy to sing when we can read the notes by daylight. But the, skillful, but the skillful singer is he who can sing when there's not a ray of light to read by. Songs in the night come only from God and they are not in the power of men. I challenge us this morning. Let's praise God anyway. You see, as they prayed, their prison was transformed from a place of pain to a place of praise. Paul and Silas began to sing songs of praise unto the Lord again, again. I want you to understand something. They did not get rid of their pain. They did not get rid of their tears. They did not get rid of their wounds. It was in their pain. It was with their wounds that they lifted their voice and said, I'm going to praise God anyway. It was a place of ministry. The Bible says this. I want you to look at it. Verse number 25. The last line. And the prisoners heard them. I ask you a question. Why doesn't the Bible say the prisoners heard them before? Why doesn't the Bible say the prisoners heard them when they preached? It doesn't say anything about the prisoners hearing them until they were in the place of misery, they were in the place of pain, and they praised God anyhow. This world expects you and I to praise God when things are going well. 
Ah, but there needs to be a voice somewhere in this world that when things are not going well, you let the world know my God is still a good God, not just on the mountain, but my God is an even better God even in the valley. I remind you of the story of the three Hebrew children. The Bible says they were thrown into the fiery furnace because they would not bow down and worship the image. The Bible says that they threw them into the fire. Later, they were bound and thrown into the fire. The king went and looked in the fire at those boys to watch them burn. But he said this, the Bible said, the king said, did we not throw three men bound into the fire? And lo, I see four, and the fourth is likened to the Son of God. May I say, the world may never see the God you serve until you praise him in the time of difficulty. The world may never see the God we serve until we praise him in the time of difficulty. I'll give you the last statement. Not only was it a place of misery, not only was it place, a place of ministry, but it was an opportunity for a miracle. How you and I respond in the prisons of life is something we should pay attention to. In fact, I want you to listen closely as I come to the end of the message. How we behave, don't miss this statement, how we behave in the very small disappointments of life prepare us for the bigger disappointments in life. And we need to pay attention to how we respond. We don't want to respond like a spoiled child that folds their arms in anger and refuses to participate in anything going on. Oh, but we need to say, I'm going to trust God anyhow. I'm going to praise God anyhow. For the small things prepare us for the greater things. And the greater things give us an opportunity to be a light to the world that they would not have seen our God except to see him in the trial and in the fire. The Bible says suddenly the foundations of the prison was shaken. The Bible says immediately. Now listen to me. Not every place in the Bible did God send an earthquake and deliver the prisoner. If you miss this, you're going to misunderstand the whole message. Sometimes God changes our situation. You remember in the storm when the disciples woke up Jesus, he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep, and they said, Carest not that we perish. And Jesus said, How is it that you have no faith? And then the Bible says he spoke to the winds, he spoke to the storm, and there was a great calm. Sometimes God does that, and I wish that's what God did every time, but he doesn't, and you know very well he doesn't. Sometimes he doesn't calm the storm. Sometimes he changes me. I remind you of a story I've told twice in the last year. Artists were summoned to paint their most beautiful picture of peace that they could imagine. One artist, he began to paint a picture of what he called peace. And he had a picture of the sea, of the water, and it was as still as glass. 
The sunset was in the distance. The trees that were around and the rocks, they were just beautiful and filled with color. I mean, the sea looked like a piece of glass, and he labeled that painting peace. But he was not the winner of the contest. The winner of the contest was the one who in his picture, in his painting, he drew a picture of a terrible storm. You could see the effects of the wind as the waves were high and roaring. And you could, even in the picture, you could feel and hear the sound of the wind and the waves. The trees and the leaves were moved and there was a, a, a heavy rain that was falling. But in the cleft of the rock, there was a bird that was nestled in a place of safety in the midst of that storm. And his focus was on that bird in that safe place with the storm all around him. And he won the painting and he called it peace because peace is not the absence of a storm. Peace is the presence of the master. And I want to say to you this morning, while you may find yourself as these did in a place of misery, you could make it a place of ministry. And God could make it a miracle in your life. I know this. Complaining against the sovereign hand and work of God has never made anyone anything more than miserable. Nobody has ever complained their way to happiness. I said nobody has ever complained their way to happiness. Nobody has. Ah, but a multitude have said, this is difficult. This hurts in every way. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Those are the people that come out on the other side saying, I learned something in that difficult place. I learned to praise him anyhow. Stand with me if you will this morning. An uncommon place of praise. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. As your pastor, I know scores of people who hurt this morning. I know folks who have shed tears. In fact, I see a few folks, you haven't been in church, a while, in church in a while, and you've suffered some very difficult things in life. I know you have. And life has been difficult. You're in the right place this morning. Because it's Christmas, because it's a special time. You came to church this morning. And sometimes we have to praise him with tears going down our faces. Sometimes we have to praise him while the pain and the hurt is in our heart and on our back. Ah, but I want to say this morning, he's a mighty good God. Bless the name of the Lord. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd help us. Lord, that we would make the decision. It won't be an emotion. It won't be in a response. It'll just be a decision that we say, God, I'm going to trust you anyhow. I'm going to praise you anyhow. That's our invitation, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As he sings.